Welcome to the Karen Kenny Show. This is the place where we take a no bullshit look at life's little lessons. Here, together, we find the spiritual glory in even the most wicked hard story. This is a journey from fear back to love and how we can find our greatest strength and happiness in some of the most unlikely places. I believe that if you're willing to change your mind, you can totally change your life. So, are you ready to rewrite your story and choose to live free? Let's do this. Holy moly, you guys, you have no idea right now how excited I am to have my next guest, Jordan David, on the show. So, I, I'm going to talk a little bit <laughs> about him, and then I'll eventually shut my big fat mouth and let the man speak for himself, but I just have to say this. I have been searching my mind. I was like thinking back, trying to go, how did we end up in each other's lives? Because all I know is that Jordan David is my brother from another mother, and I don't know if I just found you online. I don't know if I came across a picture of you showing me your guns or something happened, but I was like, Vegan bodybuilder, right away. Two things that I loved. I'm like, right up my alley, let's do this. And I don't know if I just reached out to you or was like, dude, can you write me a program? Or I sent you a little like love note. You know what I mean? Brother love note. Yeah. Like, hey, that's really cool. But you guys, let me just tell you, I have so much love and enthusiasm, as you can tell, and respect for Jordan and how he shows up in the world. Jordan is an animal activist, he is an animal sanctuary owner. He's a dad to two great little girls. He can tell you to talk about that, and I'll talk about that. It's up to him. He's a bodybuilder, obviously. He's a vegan. He's also, you guys, an entrepreneur. He's got, like, I always try to keep track of what Jordan does, and I always say the four S's, right? He's got the strength and conditioning, the nutrition side of what he does, the training and the coaching. He's also got a supplement line. He's also got a sanctuary, and he's got swag. As you can see, we're wearing twinsies. We're wearing matching tees today. For those of you at home, we are pulling up our um, muscle, uh, conscious muscle, or conscious muscle is vegan muscle. And on the back, it says, uh, there's a couple of versions, but it's we kill workouts, not animals. And the first, I think that was the first thing I saw about you. And I was like, dude, he totally gets it. So Jordan does a lot of good in the world. He has an incredible story. And I'm just so excited to welcome him to the Karen Kenny Show. Jordan David, thank you so much for being here, brother. No, I I'm glad to be here. I'm excited <laughs> to be here. It's funny, as soon as you started recording, like we were totally talking like, oh yeah, this, that, that. And now I'm turning around, I'm like, oh, hi, Karen. Hey, okay, <laughs> yeah. So it's good. Everything's great. I'm excited to do this um, because we've, we've conversed in the past, like actually had real conversations, yeah. not, you know, not social media back and forth and stuff. So I know we have like real authentic conversation and I feel comfortable talking with you because you've given me advice in the past that's helped me tremendously. So oh, thank you. That, that's why I'm excited to do this is I feel like I can really be myself. Yeah. Not, not who, you know, not, not, not what people see on social media, so to speak. You know what well, I mean? Well, yeah, let's talk about that for a minute because yeah. you have like 153,000 followers on Instagram alone. That's not even like your private list and what's happening on Facebook and stuff like that. So sure. you have a lot of influence, right? <laughs> so we talk in social media about influences and stuff like that. And you have a lot of influence in the world and a lot of power. And when you have a platform of that size, 
um, it's really easy for a couple of things to happen. First of all, people are going to come at you hot and troll you, and we'll talk about that later. The um, best. Yeah, I know, I know. And the greatest thing is the way you handle trolls is genius, and it just makes me crack up. It's another one of the reasons why I love you. But, um, you know, people, it's really easy for people to look to social media and think that they know you based on simply the post. Now, and I understand, like, you – you can't help it on some level, even though you have conscious muscle, you are the face and the body of the brand, right? So yeah. it's like people see what you post. What it's like we give them a peek into what we want them to see. So social media has the capacity to connect, but sometimes we're connecting on a shallow level. And this is one of the reasons why I was so excited to talk with you today, because I was like, I know, just I'll, I remember one day we were texting back and forth and I said, Hey, do you want to just hop on the phone real quick? And we ended up talking for like a long time, like an hour or so. And you were like, I think you were in your car and you were like your truck. And you're like, I had no idea we were going to be like having this conversation. And yeah. I was like, yeah, me either. And it just kind of went there. And I learned a lot about you. And I was like, whoa, I was trying to reconcile what I now knew about you in your personal story, which is intense and, and amazing and tragic and all the things, right? Um, yeah, but yeah. I was also balancing that against, reflecting it against what I see on social media. Now, just because of the way you look, people assume this guy is strong, and but they don't understand that they, well, I don't think you, as far as I know, I don't think you've shared a lot of your personal story publicly is that correct um not really i've done a couple like instagram posts where i felt like inspired to share something only because um when i'm going through heavy shit like really heavy shit i know other people are too and you know i never i never looked at myself like oh i'm an influencer i didn't even know what an influencer was until i until i like got emails saying hey do you want to join our influencer program <laughs> and, and it actually became a joke amongst me and my friends it's like what are you doing just you know influencing like it's <laughs> You know, whatever with that, but um, gosh, I get sidetracked so easy, Karen. You know, no, it's okay, sweetie. I'll bring you back. So we, I was just talking about um, have you told your personal story gotcha. a lot? Yes. So no. So with a couple posts, like I said, when I felt inspired, I shared a little bit about getting stabbed and whatnot, and kind of how that literally pertains to my my journey with veganism in a, in a real way. Yeah. Um, so no, no, I, I don't speak a lot of, you know, mo most of what I speak, I use my platforms really just to spread awareness and also, you know, to take care of my animals and my children, you know, the platforms are the precipice for everything I do with business, whether it's the coaching, the apparel, or also the activism, you know, at this point with the sanctuary and the abundance of animals and land, I, I couldn't do it without crowdfunding, you know, um, yes. you know, buying this property for the sanctuary was one of those things where as cliche as it sounds, it was a Tony Robbins quote um, that he got from somewhere. It's, if you want to take the island, burn the boats. You know, so I fucking did. And I'm like, I'm doing this. Yeah, that's actually. I'm, yeah, I'm sorry to interrupt you. That just got me so excited oh, yeah. because that actually comes from. It doesn't obviously come from my post, but I did a post, a newsletter about that a few years ago. And okay. it comes from the Vikings, as I'm sure you know. And so what the Vikings would do is they, when they plan to take over, whether it's a city or an island or take the land, right? They didn't want a plan B. They didn't want any way out. So the Vikings would come onto the shores of the other, like they would, you know, get their men onto the island that they planned to take over and they would burn the fucking boat so that they had no way to retreat. 
And that's like hardcore commitment. That's where that comes from, that story. You know I have a love for Vikings. I like, know I you do. I love it. I know. And the, the fact that I associate that with Tony Robbins and not Vikings makes me ashamed. Like, no, I just got so, all right. So, <laughs> it just changed. Yeah. Just changed. So now, so just, I, and I'm telling you that because I know we always say that you're a vegan Viking AF, right? And I'm always yeah. like, yeah, because you're just like, you are. You're like, uh. And I'm like, yeah, well, that story, it's all about that's what the Vikings would do. And that's really sure. what you did with this. You were committed, and we're going to dive into all of this, but you were committed sure. to getting. Um, that next five plus acres of land for the sanctuary. Yeah. And I'm like here, like you're down in Florida, first of all. I'm up here in New Hampshire. And I'm always going, how is this one dude taking care of all these animals? And I know I've seen pictures, of course. You have people who come and support you when you have days when you're building fences and stuff. And we'll talk Ooh. all about that. But I just want to say that was part of it, too. I'm like, he's kind of insane. Like, I love that yeah. balls to the wall, full yeah. of commitment. Like, I'm doing this. And that was you burning the boats. Like, there's no other choice. This is what I'm doing with my life now. So I'm so excited about that. And then I want to start with, though, I often talk about how um, whether you like it or not, you are an influencer and people see you as somebody who does have like, you know, like your, your businesses, you have your sanctuary, you have all this, the, uh, you know, the, uh, activism, all the things that you're doing. So it's easy to look at you and be like, Oh my God, this guy totally has his shit together. He knows who he is. He's like, da, 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 da. But we both know that in order to get there, so this is what I talk about in uh, the work that I do as a spiritual mentor, moving people from their story to their glory. A lot of the times what social media is highlighting is the glory pot. But it's like those roots of where we come from inform, right? Uh, like influence, inform, and inspire. The stories where we started is what makes this stuff actually possible. So yeah, I, I'll, cool. I'll just hit a few highlights for people. The bullet points, and I think they're safe to say because I said them to you on the phone the other night. Absolutely. But so when I was learning more about your personal story, it goes something like this. And make corrections, okay, when, when it's your turn to speak, like if I screw anything up. But what I gleaned, what I remembered is that when you were 17, your mom died. And I seem to remember that it had something to do possibly with drugs or addiction or an overdose or something like that. And I heard that your biological dad was in prison. And then somehow at 18, you got stabbed like six, seven, eight times or something like that. That's the bleeding out story that we'll talk about too. Then your stepdad died. And then your auntie who either you went to live with or who was looking after you found out she had like stage four lung cancer. And then your brother, Jeff, was killed in a car accident. And this is like in the, the, the hour or whatever that we were on the phone. And I was just going like, yeah. okay, there is a lot here. And we can unpack a little bit of this today because I think this, these, these, uh, these beginnings, I think, is where your incredible um, savvy, your strength, your um, no bullshit kind of attitude, like just I think that th this is, um, you are not these things despite what happened to you. You are the way that you are in the world now because of what happened to you. So can you dive a little bit into that? And I, and, and kind of also one of the things we want to talk about is we talked about um, mental illness a little bit. So there's a lot here. So I'm just going to pass it over to you. So just tell us a little bit about your story and, and how things started for you. It's interesting. I usually, um, sorry, I've been messing with the camera. I'm sure you noticed. I'm yeah. just like, I, I keep, I'm, I'm like completely immersed in what you're saying. And it's weird. I, I keep eyeballing the screen. I'm like, man, I got to get rid of me so I can focus on you. Oh my no. God. No, but um, you're, you're, you're great. You're great. Okay. 
Um, it, you know, it's like interesting what you said, because usually I'm pretty emotionless about that stuff because it, it's not, you know, I'm not attaching a lot of shit to it right now because you, when you don't deal with stuff, you know, things, things only have value if you attach value to them. So I try to, you know, I guess what I'm saying, man, when I heard you say my brother's name, Jeff, like just fucked me up a little bit. Like I missed, you know, but usually it doesn't, which is interesting. So that's why I know I need to work. I, there's definitely work I need to do internally with that. But, um, I guess to sum it up, you know, I grew up with my mom and my father. My father um, is from Israel. My mother was a um, of Eastern European descent, you know, typical, like, I don't know, a New York Jewish family, you know, um, came here to flee what was going on in Eastern Europe, whatever. Um, my mom met my dad in Miami. They um, had me. Um, growing up, my mom had a terrible heroin addiction, alcohol problem. So she kind of bankrupted our family. Mm. grandparents everything I mean I'm, I'm talking like drain the family and my dad my dad was a straight area era like he served in the army army he didn't drink he didn't smoke he wasn't really, he wasn't a criminal like he just he was a straight arrow and um he got into trafficking coke for um when it was big this must have been late 80s early 90s and um in, he got in Miami right is that Miami, what of course yeah okay and so now I'm like yeah <laughs> this shit's real though because when he <laughs> the story, he's like, oh, in his Israeli, he's like, there used to be this beautiful blonde lady, and I'd see her everywhere in her convertible red Mercedes. And who the fuck you think was in court? Like she was the undercover following her. So it's, he got caught with five kilos. So he spent my youth in prison. Um, my mom, I lived with her and my brother. Um, the majority of memories I have growing up are just being alone at home with my brother. You know what Jeff, I mean? My, was Jeff younger than you? Jeff was older by. Um, so one thing with my PTSD, just I don't know dates. I can't okay, yeah. remember his birthday, but he was, Jeff was um, almost eight years older than me, I believe. Okay, okay. So he would kind of look out for me, but, you know, he was a fucking troubled kid too. You know, I was young enough where I didn't know. I didn't know my mom was out scoring heroin fucking at, you know, junkie houses shooting up. I just thought, hey, I'm here with my brother. My brother is the one who really suffered during that time because he was old enough to watch it. I, I remember him getting fights with adult men like I mean later on in her life he did some some g shit like hog tying up drug dealers kicking down doors like trying to save his mom and um fortunately that didn't work out but anyways long story short moved around with her boyfriend the boyfriend whatever she met my stepdad in AA Terrell who you know anything positive in me he instilled in me for sure if not for him I would definitely be a completely different person. I mean, it's, it's, it's a joke. My whole friends, family, everyone that knew me previously by 30, Jordan will be dead or in prison without a doubt. All For right. Sure. So, so let's just, let's just take that in for a moment. Yeah. Like that was the projection of your future, right? This is what, this is what the story was being written about you. And this is why sure. it's so beautiful. How, because there's a moment like when we talk about those Vikings making that commitment, there was a moment and I'm not saying like you made the choice and then you've never screwed up again, right? But there sure. was a moment in your mind where you understood that you had a choice and either you were going to be dead or in prison, which sounds just like my writing mentor, Andre Debusa III, who that's what these, these carpenter earmuffs represent. He's my, my writing mm -hmm. mentor. And same thing. He said, I was either going to die or end up in jail. And so at some point, like you make a decision to make a different choice. Okay. So sorry to interrupt. Yeah, I get an interesting thing Cause my father and I have a weird pact. He knows, he knows if in my life now, it's not a viable concern, but back in those days when I got into what I got into, 
he's like, Jordan, I know if you ever get caught and you have a prison sentence in front, I already know it's like, we're not, we're, I'm not about that. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? So, I, dude, yeah. it's so interesting that you say that because um, I often think like, when I think like I wouldn't, I always say this, I wouldn't do well in prison. <laughs> and I always say it's not necessarily because I couldn't attune my mind to be in the present moment and be there and I could have my body be ch like locked up but I could still be free and all that. There's just something about, I think, I don't think I would, I don't think I could handle not having choices about where I am. Now I know the mental choices are there. So I totally relate to that. I think about that. I don't know why I think about that, but I do think about that often. Like, God forbid, let's just say I did something by mistake or killed somebody or hurt somebody. And they were like, you have to go. I think to myself, I've often thought to myself, like, what would I do in that situation? So it's interesting that you and your dad have actually like that, that is the extraneous of your life that that's yeah. even a pact, like a real pact that you have with your dad. Well, it's, it's just like nature, you know, and we'll get into it. You know, I did a little time, like it's either this, unless you're in segregated population away from everyone else, yeah. you either have to become a monster or be a victim to a monster. So I know what it is to be a monster. I, I know when, you know, that vegan quote, dirt washes off easier than blood i know i know for a fact that's true so mm -hmm. i'm not scared of the monsters that are behind bars i'm scared of the monster i have to become in order to thrive there unless i want to be in segregated population like i know what i'm like at my worst i've disliked myself more than i've disliked any human being i've even the even the men that stabbed me like i know what i'm like at my worst and i don't i don't i don't want that manifested here you know what yes. I mean? Yes, I do know what you mean. And that's a really powerful thing. And I think part of that also uh, informs the choice for veganism, which we're going to get to. So sure. um, I interrupted you. So y your dad, you know, Miami, the 80s, the Coke, the whole thing. Yeah. <clears throat> You're growing so, up with your brother. And then you've mentioned, we've talked about it a couple of times, that um, you, you somehow end up getting stabbed at 18. <laughs> Can we visit that story a little yeah, bit? Yeah, so essentially how we got there, I'll sum we're it up. Laughing, like, we're laughing about it, but it's like, yeah, okay. <laughs> it's, it's a thing, it happened, right? Like, right. Well, living with my stepdad, great influence in my mom, find out she's using again um, after years and years. She never stopped, she just covered it up for a long time. They got divorced, she moved back to Miami to be with family. I stayed with my stepfather, again, my best friend, um, and it got to a point where I wasn't cutting it in school. I wasn't cutting it out as a normal person because I'm not. So I started getting into <laughs> whatever I got into. And my stepfather looked me in the eye and he said, you can live here, but you can't do this and live here. So he's like, make your choice. I made my choice. See you later. And I was on my own. Um, shortly after we were still tight. You know, he was my boy, sure, like sure. I, my boy. He was like, I, he had my yeah. back. Yeah, and a yeah. few months later, we got a phone call from my uncle. Hey, uh, hey, Jordan, um, sorry, found your mom dead in the bathroom floor with a syringe in your arm. No one heard from her for a couple of days, so I had to kick the window down. Whatever, I, I told Terrell. Um, so that happened, and then I kind of went off on my own, like I said, doing what I was doing, which um, wasn't even bad. Like, literally, like, I was basically doing what I could do so I could, you know, burn for free, whatever. We'll leave it at that. Yeah. Nothing serious. Um, I just moved in. So here, the stabbing. I just moved into a new apartment with my roommate. Yeah. Um, I went to Walgreens to uh, go get some. Actually, I was stoned. I was high as shit, to be quite <laughs> frank. So I'm like, I want to draw because when I was younger, I, you know, I was in the art. I went to a school for art. So I went and grabbed oh. a sketch pad, uh, all that shit. Went back to my apartment, 
stone, so I'm starting to draw, and I hear a knock at the door. Huh, must be Bruno, must be somebody, right? Open the door, and I see, a, and I'm not going to get into the description of these people, because I'm just going to just, I open the door, and I see a, a guy standing there, and I look at him, he looks at me, and my brain starts going, just because this is not, I know this is someone I've never interacted with. Sure. And he, all of a sudden, it's like, I don't know who this is. So, like, just, and all of this is, it, it's crazy. It happens in a split second. So, guy standing there automatically throw, oh, man, I get, like, worked up. Open the door, look at this guy. Something doesn't feel right. He goes to throw a garbage bag over my head. I smack his hand away. Um, I used to box. I used to wrestle. And this was a stupid move. I could have just kicked the door shut, but I didn't. I grabbed him by the back of his head and pulled him in, kicked the door shut, put him down, mounted him, and just started getting it getting it then um as i'm getting it i heard the door open and close again it's like a fucking movie i heard the deadbolt close sure another one walk in so he starts walking towards me and i'm like you know what i'll deal with this motherfucker when i'm done so as i'm hitting i feel all over my back right i didn't realize that was the blade going in and that was his fist hitting me oh dude he ended up stabbing me six times um then when I, I didn't stop, right, adrenaline, then he starts kicking me and stomping me. And that's when I saw blood all over the floor and the walls. And I looked down at the guy I was hitting and I didn't see any blood on his face. So that's when it clicked. Like it was a fucking movie. I'm like, oh, oh shit, that's my fucking blood. So brain kicks in. I literally roll off, cover my eyes, pull my wallet out. I had 1800 in my wallet. So what detectives think is I was at Walgreens buying art supplies they saw that wad of cash in my wallet because I was supposed to get money orders for my first last in security. Oh, so they, they followed me back. And I'm not, look, I live near the hood. It is what it is. They saw me and they thought it was going to be an easy lick. They didn't realize they were about to have their asses whooped. <laughs> if, the dude, if, if only didn't have a blade, dude would have been done. Like they would have both been buried that day. Like anyways, so I roll off hand in my wallet and they're screaming and yelling. I don't even know what they're saying. Then they go and throw the garbage bag on my head again. I start suffocating. Me. Oh my God. Back, rip it off like this. And they're yelling and screaming. I start walking backwards to my room. Right. All I can think is I need to get a fucking towel. I see my side fucking pumping out blood. <laughs> oh my so God. I finally go to grab a towel. They're yelling and screaming. And that's when my lung collapsed and sprayed blood out. And they took the fuck off. Um, fortunately they didn't take my phone. So I called 911. Wait, wait. <laughs> the, 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 okay, sorry. I'm just like, all this is happening. And it's like, thank God they didn't take my phone. Because you didn't have, new apartment, you didn't have a landline set up, right? Nothing, no, nothing. And the uh, part is, because of where I lived, people aren't so apt to open their doors when someone slam on it. So I'm at a neighbor's door. Thank no one God. Comes out. No one comes out. So I make my way down the stairs onto the sidewalk and I'm on the phone with the operator. At the time I had long hair down to my face. So I'm on all fours, concrete pool of blood, matted hair covered in blood. And the lady's like, okay, we have officers on the way, stay on the phone, keep talking. I'm like, I can't talk anymore. Put the phone down because every time I would talk and I would take a breath, my lung would pump out blood. Jesus so Christ, dude. Every time I did it, I can feel the warmth come out. And then I started to get really fucking tired. And then real talk, my brain said, yeah, I've seen too many movies. I can't fall asleep. This isn't happening. I'm like, wow, this is happening. This is it. This is my last moment here. The last thing I'm going to oh fucking do is of my own fucking blood and hair. I'm like, and then I heard the first officer on the scene. I just heard some dude yell, holy shit. <laughs> 
grabbed whatever he grabbed. He put pressure here. Ambulance came. They reinflated my lung in the hospital. And that's what got me. Uh, one, I got stabbed six times. One was literally a millimeter and a half or so from my spinal cord. The other one through my side, through my uh, lungs, right into my, or through my lung, I'm sorry, my right lung, into my liver. Um, so reinflated my lung, made it to the OR. Um, I remember waking up and getting consciousness with a bunch of people around me, then passing out again and waking up in a room with IVs, catheters. I woke up screaming obscenities, um, freaking out, and then they sedated me again, and then I woke up with all my I didn't have any family. Um, it was just my friends. And, you know, given, given how I grew up, you know, I called my people in my life, called my grandfather, right, who, who I had left at the time. He's like, all right, don't tell your grandmother or anyone else. We have enough shit going on. I don't want you stressing her out. She'll worry about you. I'm like, okay. I call my stepdad, who's my best friend, and he, me and him are real as fuck. He's like, shouldn't have happened that way, but it is what it is. You're going to be all right. I'm like, be all right. That was it. Didn't have insurance. They released me the next day, and my girlfriend at the time just packed my uh, wounds. My dirt, They call them dirty wounds. So Because they whatever they shanked me with, well, I don't know if it was a fucking, I don't know what they had. The holes were like silver dollars. Oh, my God. We just packed them full of gauze and we had to leave them open so they can drain all the shit. Because, again, that, that, was, that was it. That was it. So that's the stabbing story. Yeah. Oh, my God. So Sorry, I'm all flustered when I talk about it. Like, I, like No, ugh. dude. Well, first of all, you hinted at, right? You said the word PTSD. So yeah. one of the things about telling stories, especially if you're a good storyteller, is it's you can sometimes re-immerse yourself back into the trauma. So it's like being able to tell the story in in a um, truthful and authentic way with hopefully it not like taking you back over. But I know like when I tell a story, like even just talking, I'm like, woo, like I get really excited. So I can only imagine when, when you're trying to recall the visceral memories of what it felt like when you said like you could feel, it felt like somebody was hitting you in the back because you felt that that's how deeply they were plunging whatever this instrument was into your body that your that the bottom of their hand was like what was hitting you. And so well, it wasn't, and, a, there was, homicide was who took my case. Right. When I didn't die, they gave me a new detective and I asked them. Because I wanted nothing more than the mur I, I wasn't vegan at the time, so I wanted nothing more than to find these motherfuckers and end their life, right? Sure. Because it was my, and, you know, I, I came to realize that, you know, you get rid of those two, there's a million more to replace. And I'm not talking about any type of person. I'm talking about bad people, right? Right. Well, well, like the monsters that, like the monsters that we can become sometimes in this world, that's what you're talking about. And it's fucked up because hurt people hurt, hurt people. people. So I look at these two guys and I'm like, as much as I wanted to whatever, my perspective now is, Maybe it's, maybe it's upbringing. Maybe it's what they've been through. But at the end of the day, they're in a spot that put them in this. I'm not justifying it by any means, but sure. no one wakes up in the morning wanting to do that. Life is pretty fucking harsh if you're going to take those, those extremes. Cause I, so I, yeah. So with, I just want to make it clear. It's not about any kind, you know, I, I try I to know what you're saying. It's not, yeah. It's not about like their color, their race, their, whatever, no. their background, their color. It's like, it's just this being human stuff. I've met beautiful and disgusting people of every color, creed and nationality. <laughs> exactly. You know what I mean? exactly. And I think it's really powerful what you're saying. I mean, the work that, um, that I do in the world as, as a spiritual teacher is, you know, that line comes up a lot that hurt people hurt people. And I say the, the work that I do in trying to let people know that they have to take radical responsibility 
for their happiness and their peace and their own freedom. Um, it's because I know, and the reason why I try to help people transform their stories to their glories and to overcome these things, and it sounds like you have been doing that work to change your mind about what's happened, right? Um, but it's about, like I always say, I do the work that I do because happy people tend not to hurt people. Very true. And so that's Very where, I, like, I just flip it a little bit and I come from this place. But I know in the past when I've made choices that were not my best choices, it's because I was not at my best self or I was in a position where I either was terrified or desperate or whatever the thing was, right? 100%. So, and it doesn't mean, obviously, the, the guy that murdered my mom, same thing. Like, he ha like justice should be served, right? You have to yes. hold people accountable for the things that they choose to do. Um, but we can also, if we can understand, maybe um, know a little bit about their story and what would make a person do what they do. Um, and when you're still in the wound of it, and literally in your case, like physically healing, when you're in the wound of it, it can be really hard. But it's always later, like it's such a spiritual gift to be able to look back at the terrible things that happen um, and to be able to glean and take from them whether it's the golden nugget or the lesson or the blessing or whatever. And I definitely think that these struggles that, you ha that you've had um, have informed um, not just the, the father that you have become, but the man that you have become and the example, the living example of the power of transformation and love and um, compassion. And so sure. we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit more in a minute. But, and if you're comfortable with it, I know that eventually your stepdad died and then you had an auntie who was important in your life. And then, the big thing is when, do you remember, and I know you don't remember dates, but do you remember how old you were when your brother Jeff died in the car accident? Um, yeah, I think I was, had to be, man, like 21, 22, somewhere in there. And so literally, does that leave you like with nobody? <laughs> like, do you know what I'm saying? Are you like an island onto yourself in a lot of ways? I mean, my, my daughters and my ex-wife are my family. I, I do have a couple aunt and uncles and cousins who I'm in contact with. But yeah, the majority of my immediate family wiped out. Um, mom, stepdad, brother, aunt, um, biological father still lives in Israel. And, you know, yeah. he's more of a, a, a pen pal than a father. You know, he's yeah. a great guy. But my stepfather was, and my, my, my biological father loves my stepfather. He loved him to death. He cried deeply when he found out Terrell passed away because mm. he knew, you know, what he did for his son. So, yes. Yeah. So. Yeah. So there's a, there's a lot there, man. There's a lot there. And I imagine it doesn't sound like, I mean, where you grew up sounds like me too. I like grew up in Lawrence, Mass. I have a murdered mother and like a lot of the things. Our stories are very different, but man, are there a lot of places where they really intersect and I, I can, I can see myself in, in your story and, and maybe vice versa. And so it's really um, fascinating to me. All this stuff happens. And then at some point, right, you meet your ex-wife and you end up having these children. And I know, I just know that becoming a father, especially becoming, um, being a father on any level is a really big deal. But sure. I think for somebody like you, and I, and I want to talk about that for a second too, because we're telling all these stories and there are people who are going to be able to watch this as a video cast, but there are going to be people at home who are just listening. So Ooh. when you're telling this story of like, like you're like, I knew better. I could have just shut the door. But some part of your animal instinct pulls the trouble towards you like in the house. <laughs> yeah. Okay, right? <laughs> so we'll leave that alone for now. Uh, we're not doing therapy. But I'm just saying, so that's fascinating to me. But then 
you're like, I'm wailing on these guys. So I just want you, or I can uh, like, tell me a little bit about you. How tall are you? I'm, um, right now I'm five, nine, um, 220 ish pounds trying to, trying to cut down on that. Yeah. Um, I'm not, you know, I guess in general society terms of people, you know, for people listening, I would be considered of large stature, you know, for in the bodybuilding community and power, I'm not the, you know, I'm not one of the big boys, you know what I mean? But general populace, yeah, I, the people would, you know, I guess consider me of large stature. So, well, yeah, well, you are, you have a, you have a bodybuilding physique. You're, you are a big boy. It's just like if we're comparing it to the guys who that's their living and they're trying to become uh, through. Sure enhancement right we'll call it enhancement yeah uh, might yeah. be that's not even big they're humongous like that's right no but you you're a big boy like we're both wearing the same shirts and i'm just like you know your your arm sleeves are like jacked your biceps <laughs> are pretty good so i'm just trying to give people an idea of home of like like what you, what you look like and stuff like that so here you have this big dude who's been through lots of violence and definitely that violence um may have happened to you or happened to people you love but it has exponential effects and then here you are, and you're holding these little girls, and it's like, holy Jesus. That must have shifted your mindset a little bit, huh? Um, yeah, they, um, they, I don't know how to put it, they taught me how to love again. Or they taught me how to love. I don't know that I ever experienced unconditional love or ever felt it prior to my ex-wife and children. You know, when I say ex-wife, we're, we're amicably, amicably divorced, but I'll, I'll say this and I'll make it clear, um, my ex-wife probably one of the greatest women I've ever met in my life and we're not together for our reasons but nothing to do with with the type of mother or woman or she sure. is just, she's a she's amazing and she she makes it easy I mean listen being a, a parent's challenging but she goes out of her way to make sure that it's easy for me to be a good father um you know what I mean and I'm, I'm, for, I'm for success she sets you up oh, for God, success. Yeah. you know I get to do violin and dance and soccer and I get to see my kids nearly every single day. And regardless of what's going on with us, she's never taken my children out of my life because she knows I thrive. Without, without them, I'm no good. And she knows it. So it, having children definitely changed my life for the better. And, and I think that's part of the reason I was more apt for veganism is I, I, my heart was open again. You know what I mean? And that, you know, that's so a that, big one. Yeah. They're, a big, they're a, big a big reason for that, for sure. Yeah, I think that that's um, a really great place to kind of step into the veganism thing. And right before we do that, I want to ask you about, because we've talked about this before. Like you've said, we, we were talking on the phone one time and you said, I think it's part of the reason why I wanted people to know your story is you talked about PTSD. You touched upon it here a tiny bit. And in the past, in our personal conversations, you've mentioned like mental illness. And I know when I've texted you in the past, like I'll see a post online and I'll be like, I think my dude could use a little love. And so I'd be like, hey man, what's happening over there? And like, yeah. then you'll say, yeah, it's a tough one today or whatever. So I want to talk about this a little bit because you were saying that it's important that people know about your story. And I'm, again, I'm using your words, mental illness, because it's important that they can see, I'm quoting you, it's important that they can see that you can have a mental illness or have a really tough time and still get stuff done in the world, still do good in the world and, and be a responsible citizen and, and like go after your dreams and do these things. So can we talk about that a little bit if you're comfortable with it? A hundred percent. So because of everything I've been through, um, I think in terms of circumstance, and I'm sure if gene genealogy and hereditary has anything to do with it for my mother, I, I count, I'm, 
I put money, I'm chemically imbalanced. I'm almost positive she was using and drinking while she was pregnant with me and, and everything else, right? So I struggled with depression and anxiety my entire life, so much so that, and, and it, it is what it is, right? We're being transparent. Like suicide yeah. has been a common thought in my head from a young teenager upwards until even, you know, have, uh, it, it's my, I have children, so it's, it's not a possibility. I would never do it. But so this is what I've lived with my whole life. And I got to a point where Karen, I've, I've, I've done everything and I've learned the trick. The real secret is consistency. Mm. But when I tell you I've done everything, I've read all of Eckhart Tolle's teachings and gotten into meditation and yoga and breathing. And I understand the importance of being present and conscious. I got into the secret, Abraham Hicks, Law of Attraction, everything about, you know, an attitude of gratitude. I've read books by Tony Robbins, Trevor Blake, uh, Tim Fair, you name it. Uh, even Gary V, Modern Age with social media and everything else. So I'm into everything. And my thing is this, I'm good at aggregating knowledge and I'm yes. good at- You're wicked uh, smart. You're yeah. wicked smart. <laughs> that is not your problem. You're too, probably too smart for your own good sometimes, brother. For sure. <laughs> my thing is, given the life I come from, I don't have a lot of discipline or structure, so I can have all the knowledge in the fucking world, but I do not have the wisdom to actively apply it in my everyday life without help. My ex-wife, my children, my friends, I have a good support system and I need it you know, between multiple bits. So I guess what I'm getting at is every day for me, if I'm on point, I read a book called Miracle Morning, which helped me group everything into one thing where I wake up with intention, drink my lemon water, meditate, wheatgrass, journal with gratitude, map my day. As long as I do that and wake up, I have a good day, right? Because I have a routine and schedule. Yes. And I get, people don't see this online. A lot of people are like, whoa, you know, he achieved this. He's got this business. He's got the sanctuary. I wish I could do what you can do. It looks like you're living in abundance. I wish I could look at them and say every day is a conscious effort not to be a fuck up, not to be full of anxiety, not to be depressed. So many mornings I wake up and I don't want to get out of bed because I just, it's not that life is bad. Life is great. And if something's not great, first world problems. Okay. Sure. I just don't have the desire. There are many days where I just don't want to be here. Like, yes. I want to go home. And because of my daughters and because of veganism and the commitment I made to these animals, I'm not going anywhere. You know what I mean? And I try everything, Karen. I really do. Therapy. I've tried medication ranging from uh, anti-anxiety like Lexapro. I've tried medicine for bipolar. I mean, you name the condition, depressed, bipolar, they've, they've, they've put a flag in me, a label, at one therapy session or another. So... Can I ask you something about that? Yeah, how absolutely. Does it, how does it feel to have a label? Does it make you feel labeled or does it make you feel like, oh, now I have a better understanding of how my mind works or what's happening? Definitely a better, better understanding. It's, it's like, hey, like when, I, when I'm, I'm 220-ish now, I want to be, you know, let's say two, sub 200. I don't look at myself and say, well, I guess you're okay. I'm like, no, you're overweight for you right now. You're not where you need to be. <laughs> Yes. You know, we're not real with ourselves, right? And I get yes. it because PMA, positive mental attitude, you are beautiful. You are great. You are fucking amazing. You and, are and there's still some work to do, right? And there's always work to do. So yes. my thing is point that shit out. Be real with yourself. And I know I, I'm not saying I identify with these titles, but when they're explained to me, I'm like, wow, everything I'm symptomizing every day is exactly what you just encompassed. So I'm not on any meds. Um, I, I just, I feel like I can do it without them. And as long as I'm structured every day, I get everything done. It's just a struggle. It really is, but I get it fucking done. Yeah. Like, so, the, 
Sorry, even go ahead. Today, even today, Karen, like I was thinking this morning, I had so much to do. I'm feeding the animals. I know I got to get my work done. I got to pick up the kids. I'm like, man, maybe I should do this with Karen next week. You, you know what I mean? Like tomorrow's always a better day in your brain and it never fucking comes. That's why I was like, no, we have a commitment. <laughs> we have a commitment. Tomorrow's never coming. Yeah. So it was, so, it was, you know, we're here. I think that that's, that's powerful. And what the, the takeaways be beyond all of it. And I want to, I want to um, just say to you that thank you so much for being so honest and vulnerable and sharing all this, because I know it's going to help people who are listening uh, because it's really easy. Again, like I said, to see people online, which is how we mostly see each other these days because everybody's so busy and stuff like that. And to idolize or put them on a pedestal or to fantasize about how you think their reality is. You know what I mean? Yeah. Everyone so, does. And I think it's powerful that you said two things there. You've made a commitment not only to yourself, but to your children and to the animals and to your businesses and all this stuff. And, and also you made um, a, a conscious choice to be consistent. And you said it yourself on the days that I get up and I do my miracle morning and I get up and I drink my, my lemon water and I do what I would call daily spiritual practices is what yes. you're doing. So I yell at my, I yell, but. Yeah, in a loving way. I say to him all the time, yeah. right? I call it the, the five Ds, daily, discipline, determined, dedication, and devotion. You have to make a conscious choice every day to sit your ass down. Like you said, do your meditation, do these things. And when you do that, you show up as the highest version of yourself, a better version of yourself. And on the days when you don't, that's when the mind can like tricky dicky you and slip right into tomorrow's okay. about a day, right? So oh. you know, you, like you said, support system, but I am committed and I'm consistent. And that is so important that daily like devotional, like I've, I'm doing this. And even when I don't, feel like it. And that applies everywhere, man, in the gym, right? Oh, yeah. Like doing the stuff you don't want to do, but you know, it makes you better, stronger. You just can't give up on yourself. And it's super easy to do when you actually, that's where, again, those titles I think are beneficial when you know that let's just say you accept, Hey, I, I struggle. I'm, I am not depression, but I struggle with it as a, as a thing, separate entity to you. I think then you can realize on those mornings or days where you're like, oh, this is the depression. I'm not going to just lay in bed. I'm still going to, I'm still going to kick it in the high gear and do what I have to do. Right. I 100% know? know what you're saying. And so I talk about it like this and it's like, like you said, you got this thing with your shoulder right now, this little injury. So right. I have a guy that I see for when something goes out of whack. Right. And when I go in to see him, he'll say, how are you doing? And I said, I'm doing awesome. My shoulder, on the other hand, is having an issue. So I'm able to separate and identify the real me, which I would call a child of God. And I mean God in the sense of all the love that's ever been given and received, the most love of all love, right? The bright light Whoa. of whatever it is. I don't care what people call it, God, source, love, and you know, the universe, the divine. I don't get attached to the name. But I'm sure. clear enough to understand that I'm an extension of that thing. And so if I am that thing, I can choose to identify with the parts of myself that are wounded, broken, injured, depressed, or I can identify first and foremost with that thing that I know that I am. But within this human experience, I have some stuff I have to work on, right? So like you said, yeah, you are beautiful and amazing and incredible. And your personality could use a little work. Your ego <laughs> could use a little work. Your choices yeah. could use a little work. But you are still the balls. Like you're still amazing. 
So we've just had the opportunity, and I really believe this, Jordan. Like, I look back, and it's very rare. Like, I, there's maybe, like, one thing I go, like, yeah, I could have handled that way better. There's a couple of things I could have handled way better. <laughs> but I wouldn't change any of it for the world because it has made me, literally made me into the person um, that I am today. And so I want to talk about that now, moving into the veganism. So yeah. one day, so you're like in, you're like what I call bro culture in the gym, right? And everybody's, sure. like getting, everybody's getting their lift on and they're picking things up and putting them down and whatever. And you, so the way that I understand it is that you were, you were a trainer, you had one-to-one -one clients and you took on a client who was vegan. And she started talking vegan shit to you about how, like, you know, just laying it out for you. Like, this is so funny. We're going to talk about the stereotypes of veganism, too. But so this woman starts dropping some vegan knowledge on you. And tell me your response in the beginning. So I knew I, I trained her and her husband before they went vegan. Yeah. And then she went vegan. Her husband didn't. So we just, we laughed at her. We told her she was an idiot. <laughs> like, <laughs> you're going to wither away and die, Susan. You're, and it's funny today, like. Susan still today is my friend and is doing her own vegan thing with her vegan like raw burgers and all this. She yeah. went, but yeah, she, she basically called me on my shit. She told me basically, uh, she made a bet with me. If I, if I can provide a page paper as to why veganism is not beneficial, she'll stop being vegan. If I can't, I need to go vegan. So took her up on her bet. I did my due diligence. I looked at everything I could, every article, medical journal, anything I could to debunk veganism and everything I read pointed the one, you know, it's, it's the best thing for our health, the health of those we love, the sustainability of our planet, and the moral and ethical treatment of all living beings. There's, it's a win-win in every spectrum. So she, she changed my life for sure, and veganism changed my life for sure. You know what I mean? At the end of the day, I want to make this world a better place than the one I was born into. And the way to do that is by treating other beings with respect and love, by making sure there is a world to come in terms of sustainability and natural resources and to be healthy and thrive and a plant-based diet and a vegan lifestyle encompasses all of that. And there's irrefutable data and proof. So I don't have to push my opinions on anyone. I'm like, look, motherfucker, like if the president, <laughs> of, the, if the president of the American College of Cardiology says being a herbivore is the best thing for your digestive health, heart health, and biochemistry, <laughs> I, I, he probably knows more than I do. Right. So let's go. You know what I mean? There's just yeah. no evidence. So what I think is, sorry, go ahead. No, it's just, it, it's a win in all areas. Well, sure. what I think is so funny is, so you've been vegan for what? Five, six years now? How, yeah, how many? Going over five years. Yeah. So basically this woman was smart enough to use your own bullheaded ego against you to challenge you. Oh, she, for sure. Right. So she's like, all right, I'm going to make a bet with you. And you're like, I'm going to go, I'm going to go find out and prove why you're wrong. And then you start yeah. reading all the studies, all the science, all the stuff. And at this point, you're like pounding dead animals like nobody's business because you're a bodybuilder, right? And so your, yeah, your Pound. belief was you had to eat animals and animal byproducts to become big and make gains. And so she's like, all right, dude, go prove it. And then, so I can only imagine the the, the the like the look on your face as you're scanning the, the internet and pulling out all this research and you're going like oh man did any part of you resist the truth a part of me did because you, you know i grew up with bodybuilding doctrine and this way of life this plant-based way of life questioned everything i've been conditioned yes. to believe my entire life ranging from my professional life with bodybuilding and nutrition and training down to my parenting um, you know what I mean? Even though we were about non-GMO and organic, 
uh, to find out that I just didn't know was the scariest fucking thing of all because there are millions of parents feeding their children meat and dairy. Dairy is a known carcinogen now. The World Health Organization points to meat and dairy being carcinogens. They're, they're one of the most brutal carcinogens that we consume, casein, is found in dairy. And, you know, we're spoon feeding this to our children mm-hmm. unknowingly. Yes. We're poisoning our children. And it just, I was like, no, there's no way our government would let us do this. This, is, this can't be fucking right. There's no way, right? Because them, they, the people behind the curtain, they care, right? So this can't be fucking right. Everything we're giving our kids in school lunches is full of fucking carcinogens, chemicals, poisons. This can't be right. And then I look into it. I'm like, it's all right. This is how, this is how our economy works. It's because the right. dairy and the beef industry are getting rich, right? There's something like, there, I don't even know the number. There's billions of dollars of subsidies for meat and dairy industry, uh, farming, ag- like animal agriculture. So it's like, it's one of those things. It's the same reason people are being killed all over the world. Money, right? If it makes sure. money, it makes sense. You got sick food, you got sick people, you got a rich medical. I like, we're not going to get into all the propaganda, but the point yeah. is <laughs> they, do, they do allow it and we blindly feed into it without fucking question. When Dude. they say milk makes strong bones, who questions that? No well, one. Right, because they're not showing you. I've always laughed about this because growing up, so in college I was an advertising major and I realized, I said, well, what advertising really does is it makes you feel like there's something wrong with you so you need something to buy their product. So if they, what they're doing with that conditioning when they say milk makes strong bones, uh, what happens in your mind is you think if I don't drink milk, I won't have strong bones. That yeah. makes me weak. Like there's a whole conditioning that goes on in the mind. Plus, you know, we're just drinking whatever our parents put in front of us and they So part of the work that I do is always saying to people, you have to question everything. You have to be vigilant for the quality of your thoughts and ask, do I do this because I really believe it or because my parents, the government or my church or my peer group told me this is what I should do? When I speak something, is that really true? Do I still believe that? Or is that just something I've been saying since I was a kid? Auto-program. Yeah, so much programming. And so when you become a parent, you have to become aware of now the role you're playing. Because those earliest years, our earliest caretakers, whether it's an aunt, an uncle, your biological parents, you were adopted, you're in, whoever is having contact with you in those earliest years, they are dropping their way into you. It doesn't mean it's your way. So at some point when you start to sniff, like something smells funny around here and you start to get some knowledge. So this is what's fascinating to me though. So I've been vegan for like over 16 years and my process too is that you know, we don't have enough time for like my story, but I will say that somebody started dropping some knowledge in my lap and, and it occurred to me, it was the first time it occurred to me that I have been an animal lover since I was a kid. Like ask anybody who knows me. I just wanted to be Dr. Doolittle when I was a kid. That's all I wanted. And all of a sudden it hit me. How can I fucking say that I love animals while I'm eating them and wearing their skins on my body? Hallelujah. Keep going. Right. And so a lot of people, so I was like, you're a fucking hypocrite, kid. Like you're a hypocrite. And I was like, whoa, that was really powerful. And then I was doing research for my memoir and my book about my mom's murder and the exponential effect of that, my life, blah, blah, blah. And I remembered, I would always ask, um, I would always, I just wanted to know, like, did she suffer? Like, did she suffer? That was a really, that was like the, the hardest thing for me was like, oh my God, 
And, and so, um, nobody ever talked about my mother. Like after she died, it was like, she just disappeared. And even though it was in the newspaper and on the news, I was 12, I had no power. Right. So when I became old enough to start doing the research, um, I was living in California at the time and I wrote home and I asked, um, the, I called the newspaper who covered the murder trial like, um, like years and years and years and years before that. And a lovely woman helped me and she sent me this package and it took me, I remember carrying that package back from the mailbox just like shaking because I'm like, okay, now I'm going to find out some things. And I'll never forget, there was an article and it was um, talking about the trial and some of the evidence and stuff. And, um, and then eventually I went and looked at the evidence, the physical evidence and stuff myself. I've done that twice now. And there was a little passage that said, and it's still, it still catches me, man. It's like hearing your brother's name. Like it still catches me. And it said, she had cuts and scrapes on her hands and knees from trying to get away. And it like just landed in me. Like she just wanted to live. She was fighting for her life. And it's no different than any animal on this planet. They just want to live. You know, she was found half naked from the waist down. So I believe her attacker was trying to rape her. And this is what we do to animals all the time. Like people don't understand. All beings just, they develop relationships. They're wicked smart. They're smarter than your children sometimes, these animals. They, want, they build relationships. They have rights and they want to live free from rape and abuse and murder and slaughter and all this stuff. And we've become so conditioned and detached that we haven't even, we've stopped thinking for ourselves. And I know you were saying too, like, and I'll let you speak to that. Like when you were stabbed and bleeding on all fours, like you had this visceral kind of reaction too, right? When you think back. Without, without a doubt. Without a doubt. I was on all fours bleeding out. I was a victim and there was nothing I could do about it. And it doesn't, at the end of the day, your thoughts are yours, right? Your, your intellectual conception of what's going on at that moment is your own. But the one thing you share at that moment with every living being, every person, whether it's your mother, whether it's a pig, whether it's a cow, whether it's a chicken, is at that moment when you are being murdered, when you have puncture wounds, when you are bleeding out and life is literally draining, spewing, shooting from your body, we all have that universal sense of fear and dread for our livelihood. We all have the innate instinctual biological urge to survive. And yeah. my level of fear and cortisol and your mother's and the cows and the pigs, it's all the same when you're being stuck and you're bleeding. And it, I know what that feels like. And I can't watch it happen to another being and I can't be silent while it's being done to another being, much like the Holocaust survivors who are vegan activists. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they put it very well. Nazi, Nazi concentration camps were modeled after American slaughterhouses because of how efficient they were for killing. I don't want anything in me that comes from that process. People don't get it. They don't. Well, it's, it's, they don't want to get it because it means they would have to change, right? So here's the thing that's so fascinating is people always talk about vegans, every fucking meme. If you watch any TV long enough, inevitably they're gonna make a joke about a vegan or veganism, right? Sure. So they come at us hard, they come at us hard. And, and so um, I, one of the things they always say is, um, you know, don't worry if you, you know, if you meet somebody, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but you don't know that they're vegan, don't worry, they'll tell you. And there's this whole thing, like everybody thinks vegans think we're so much better than everybody else. And I always try to say to them, listen, 
We don't think we're better than everybody else. That's why we're vegan, because we don't think we're better than animals. And you have a great um, thing that you often talk about, um, about even like, because a lot of times the Christian, I was raised Catholic, but the Christian kids, right? With the Bible says this, but you say this beautiful thing about dominion. Can you talk about that? Sure. I mean, looking into it more, and there's plenty of stuff on Google for this, what the original translation of dominion is to be responsible for, meaning I have dominion over my children, okay? When they do something wrong, I don't beat and abuse them, and when they're hungry, I don't take a bite out of their thigh. So having dominion over the animals of the earth is to be responsible for. I can assure you, whatever God, you, or anyone else believes in, what's going on in slaughterhouses is not a part of that divine plan, without a doubt. So that, and so it boils down to two things, right? Because if you're talking to the people, you know, in the biblical sense, right? People who put stock in that, which uh, I'm neutral, I'm not religious at all. Like you, I believe there's a divine presence this universe mm-hmm. is comprised of, and we can't help but be it because we are it, <laughs> yes. right? <laughs> I mean, no, great, but, hello, thank you. Yeah, but I hear what you're saying. <laughs> you, know, you know what I'm saying? Like it just makes sense from a biblical standpoint. Yes. We were vegan before we fell from get grace in the Garden of Eden. So if if you're going back to grace. Don't, don't wait to die. Start now. Start, right. start like you're in heaven. Go back to grace. Stop consuming meat and dairy, you know, Adam and Eve plant-based diet prior to following the grace. So even the Bible points to veganism. And my thing is this. There's another Bible quote that I heard someone say the other day, which really stuck with me. It's a little off topic, but the meek shall inherit the earth. Mm-hmm. That's a big misconception because in the original translation of the Bible, meek did not mean weak or coward. Meek were the men and women who had swords but kept them sheathed. Yes, exactly. Right? There's nothing virtuous. Like I, I've heard, I heard a professor talk about it. He's true. There's nothing virtuous about being a coward. I can't do anything for you, Karen, if I'm a coward. But if you need my protection and help, and vice versa, I like knowing you have that sword and you know when to implement it and when to sheathe it. This so, is so amazing. I was just mm-hmm. talking to somebody yesterday about this, and I'm not. We don't again. We don't have time to go into it, but about the gates that actually are at my mother's cemetery. And it's these two angels and they hold these swords. And we were talking about just how there's something so powerful. Like there's these angels with these wings. You wouldn't think of angels having swords, but that's that visual effect of that. It's like they stay there and they hold them and they don't use them unless it's necessary. That's the strength. It's weak. It's easy. It's easy to just walk around like cutting people's heads off, but to know when it is necessary, right? That meekness. And people always think like, they they think of like vegans as like, oh, we're going to be so weak and we, we can't whatever. And then like, so I proudly, I tell you, I have like, I don't know, like 15, 20, I don't know how many shirts and sweatshirts of yours that I have at this I point. That. I love but you. <laughs> I feel like I'm representing the vegans sometimes, right? And especially sure. vegan athletes or vegans who lift or hit the gym or whatever. And I wear them proudly, but I understand it's like, you know, I'm, I'm a representative, not just of the vegans, but of the animals. And I wear those shirts because because I want people to see it. And so like you're a walking billboard, like literally, like for this. And I'm sure that there's like this, like you're like, yeah, like I have to maintain too. But you get so much pushback in gym culture. Like I guarantee you, like me, you hear, I I can't even count how many times, you know what question I'm going to be asking you, the most asked question of all time, a vegan, where do you get your protein? So can you just drop a quick education on the people about how we're not going to wither or die? You can't, for the people who are viewing this, flex a muscle for me right now. I'll do it. Ready? Show me your gun. Yeah. There's no definition right now. Bad lighting. (laughs) 
<laughs> so fun. Thanks for participating. All right. No, so no. tell me a little bit about the protein myth. I mean, it just boils down to this. Whether you're getting – hey, Frank. Hi, Frank. Hey, Frank. You want to come say hi? Frank, you guys, is his big German shepherd, one of his many rescues. Oh, oh he's beautiful. Hi, Frank. <laughs> We're, done. We're done here. Okay, so um, basically it boils down to this. Your body doesn't care where you're getting your protein, whether you get it from plants or animals. So my thoughts are this. When it comes to, the to a vegan diet, there's plenty of whole food sources of protein. I have a video about it. You can get lentils, quinoa, hemp seeds. Every vegetable contains protein. Now you also have meat substitutes like tofu, tempeh, beyond meat, gardein. So basically, if I'm a bodybuilder, right, an animal-based bodybuilder, I have six ounces of chicken, broccoli, sweet potato. I could just as easily have six ounces of tofu, tempeh, gardein with broccoli and sweet potato. So the only thing I'm doing is switching from a dead animal to a plant. I'm getting the same amount of protein, the same abundance of amino acids, the same vitamin, minerals, even more so micronutrient, phytonutrient content. So basically I'm getting all the benefits of meat, which is simply protein, with none of the negatives, none of the carcinogens, none of the cholesterol, not the acidic nature, and nothing had to die. So you're literally, there's no, you don't lose anything by getting rid of meat. The only argument is what about your B12? Well, here's the thing. B12 came from soil and water. It's so depleted that 90% of the B12 supply sold in the world goes to factory farmed animals like cattle. So quite literally, when you eat a steak or burger for B12, you're literally eating a recycled supplement. So hey, fuck it. Cut out the middleman, get the supplement yourself, and forego the carcinogens, the cholesterol, and having to murder something to get it. So literally, you're only winning by eating plant-based. The only argument against it, again, is protein, which we have now debunked. You get the same amount, same aminos, yes. B12, right from the source. And vitamins and minerals, where do you think animals get them from? Plants. You're getting second nature vitamins and minerals. Cut it out. It's 100% true. And it, it makes, this is the whole thing. When you're willing, it's that willingness. It's in everything. Whenever you're trying to make change, it's about that willingness to let go of the belief system that you have or the stories that you've told or whatever. And so many people don't want to hear. Like, I, I remember my sister, my sister who, you know, is like, and again, I, you know, if she listens to this or not, who's an animal lover, so she says, but when, the, when we'd be at our house and they're dropping those lobsters in the pot, you know, they make a noise. And she'd be like, la, 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 I don't want to know, I don't want to know. But then I'm like, but then you'll chow down on them, right? So people get pissed at me all the time because her. I'm like, there's, a, there's an inconsistency here in what you say to be true and what your actions are reflecting. Yeah. And a lot of people get, I always say people get mad at vegans mostly because our choices, even though they're our personal choices, our choices, people take them personally because it forces them to take a look at their choices and they often feel guilty and then they get pissed about that. So they project it onto you. And I'm like, dude, I'm just living over here being an animal educator, an animal activist, an animal lover. I'm not, all I'm doing is say, think about this. Why are you making this choice? Why are you saying something and you're living a different way? And I, so, I agree. I agree. Yeah, and it's it's tough sometimes. And so your love of this, you become educated. You're like my vegan, I say you're my vegan health and nutrition coach, right? You send me programs to get me uh, in the gym. Yeah. So you guys, everything that we're talking about, we're going to drop Jordan's social media links and how to contact him if you want to hire him uh, for, as, for your, as your, your health and nutrition coach, or if you want to donate to his sanctuary. All that stuff is coming, okay? Thank you, Karen. So yeah, Thank of course, of course. And so you basically... Um, 
like in the gym, you make this transition. And then how do we decide one day, like we're laying in bed and you're like, sanctuary. Like, how does that happen? Because look at my journey is a long one of 16 years, but within five years, you totally transform like, you know, what you're doing with your body, how you're like feeding your body, your thought system, your heart is open with your children, right? So now you, that was the key you said. When I had my girls, my heart was open. So I was open to loving other beings and compassion and stuff too. So that's huge. But then that's still a big leap. Within five years, you committed to sanctuary. So tell me a little bit about that. Well, I mean, we, we had rescue dogs. We've always had rescue pit bulls. And um, we got word about these two pigs that we could rescue from slaughter. And um, it was my ex-wife and I at the time, and we did. And I was like, well, I mean, we, we got more land, right? So why don't we? And my ex-wife at first was like, yeah, but she is an animal lover also. And um, so we started, oh, now we got goats. Now we got chickens. Now we Jack got Jack. Jack Jack, yeah, oh Jack Jack. Yeah. I'm obsessed with Jack Jack. I'm obsessed with Leroy. I'm obsessed with, with Lily and Sam. All of them, you know me, like all of them. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm determined to come down to Florida just so I can hang out there one You're day. welcome like, to. Everybody. Yes. So you started like with this small sanctuary in your backyard and then the yeah. need grew for more land and more space. But really what I want to know is what you knew that, okay, sanctuary and caring for something bigger than a dog was good. like you had to learn so much and do so much. So what was driving you? Like you, like what was driving you? Like this became like, I'm all in. So true, true. If there was any question as to why I belong on this planet, right? My daughters without a doubt, but I needed a sense of purpose for me to hustle and grind and make money and kill it. Like I kill it with the coaching and apparel and supplements and everything else. It's it, the money doesn't motivate me. Right? Like, don't get me wrong. A life of abundance is great. Money doesn't do it for me, right? Notoriety doesn't do it for me. What, what does it for me is knowing that I'm making a real positive impact. My whole life, I, I, I had to be a taker to survive. Mm. So I don't want to take anymore. I want to mm. give. And I don't just want to say I'm a vegan activist. I want to live that in every way I can. And I'm a one or a hundred. There's no in the middle. I need to work on balance. <laughs> I get it. But I'm one or a hundred. So for me... It's not enough to donate to a sanctuary here and there or to rescue. No, I need land. I'm doing a sanctuary. I'm going to give. I'm going to rescue these animals. I'm going to live my fucking dream. I'm going to walk my talk. Yeah, it's hard. It's been uh, stressful. It's been a financial burden. You know, and fortunately, crowdfunding has helped. But the majority of all of this was out of pocket. And I was fortunate that I hustled so hard. I was smart with my money. But I took everything. And I mean, everything I had and put it into this. So there's no turning back. Like if this doesn't work, it means my life's not working. <laughs> so. Dude, I always, dude, I, so first of all, I have to, I have to say how um, proud I am of you, how proud I am to call you my friend, Thank how, you, how much I love what you're doing in the world and with the sanctuary. And I'm always like, you know me, like I give whenever I can. And it's so funny because me as an entrepreneur, which always makes me laugh, but I'm like me building my business. I always, I say to my sweetie and my coaches all the time, I want to make more money so I can give more money to my friends like Jordan and my friend That's Zach Scow, who is like Marley's mutts in California. He's doing incredible work. And some of my close friends here in California in, in New Hampshire, Peace and Paws Dog Rescue. Like I want to make more because I know the more I have, the more I can give. I'm the not in this. Brings abundance. There's that, right. see, you know it because you get, you get like, <laughs> 
self-love and the law of attraction. Listen, when your cup is overflowing, it's easy to pour in the others. Everyone's like, oh, like I said, even though I don't identify with money, I do want abundance of it. That's how you make change Shit, in our yeah. society and our world. Shit, and and yeah. listen, right? we got to take care of ourselves. We need a roof overhead. we got to take care of our family, right? But, and I will also say this though, like when I can send you a hundred bucks, I do. Sometimes when I do a talk, I'll like donate it to you. It's like, so it's not like people have to give you hundreds of dollars to make a difference. Like, so the Patreon thing where people can make a monthly donation or just send in five, 10, 15, 20 bucks. If half of my audience donated at a dollar a month, it would change this it would be the most amazing thing in the world for this sanctuary. Just All right, dude, that just gave me an idea. We need to do, you should do, we should do a marketing, we, you. I'm not Let's talking go. about you should do, but there needs to be a marketing campaign. You have 145 or something, 52, 153K followers. If, if everybody sent you a buck, Holy shit. All right, so we need to push that. Just say, you guys, this is That's like, do- this is like, um, like, well, we have to figure out what the name of something catchy, but like, um, like, like $1 Tuesday or $1 Friday or do, whatever. I don't know. We'll come up with something, but it's like, if everybody just sent in a buck, it would change your life. If, so, if those people sent you a buck a month or a year, even like, it's like, come on. So, all right. So I just got inspired. Sorry, people at home. I get wicked excited when an idea happens. No, so. thank you. I need this because I need the, imp- I need to do that. Cause like, I'm making it work, but it is challenging. The, I mean, look, I'm transparent. It is what it is. Look, I'm by no means rich, right? I work hard. I hustle hard. But it's, it's, it's just over $4,000 a month for the property and feed alone. That's not counting vet bills. Rest. It's, it's a lot. You know what I mean? For, that's a big nut. And well, you've got chickens, geese. You've got chickens. Wait, do you have geese or ducks? Uh, we, we have chicken right now, guinea, uh, chickens, guinea hen, turkeys, um, as far as birds go. And then we have dogs, goats, pigs, cats. Leroy. Leroy the mule. We have two cows coming this month and another family of seven piglets. Okay. So so this is what people, you're listening. I know you are falling in love with Jordan the way that I love Jordan. You're hearing his stories. You guys, seriously, this is a call to action. If anything we're saying has helped you, has resonated with you, has made you say like, yes, I might not be ready to give up all my dairy yet, but I want to make a difference. I want to start to educate myself. I want to get involved. I'm telling you, I'm going to point you all to Jordan and how you can support his sanctuary, his movement, his ministry, his mission, his message, right, you guys, because this is how we go home. We go home together. As the beautiful Ram Dass says, we're all just walking each other home. I this love is a that. beautiful way. Yeah, it's so good. And this is a beautiful way where we can help each other and support each other because you guys, we all come onto the planet and we have what A Course in Miracles calls our individual curriculum. And it is so clear. There's no way you couldn't have listened to this interview and not get that Jordan's individual curriculum is to not only help himself, right? But to help others and to give voice to the voiceless. And that's what I do in my work too. It's what my mom taught me as a kid. She always taught me that you have to be a voice for the voiceless. And if you are somebody who has a voice who can give, you have an abundance of extra, whether it's time, money, whatever, our job here is to help each other. So Jordan, can you just break down how people can find you? I will also put it on the post um, when when the episode airs, but can you just tell them how to hit you up? Absolutely. You can simply go to consciousmuscle.net, www.consciousmuscle.net. And on there, I have a sanctuary tab. And when you click that, it'll give you the different forms to donate, whether you want to do Patreon and do, let's say, a dollar a month, or you want to donate, let's say, a chunk of whether it's $10, 20 whatever it is, to directly to our GoFundMe. 
which is going towards the fencing and everything needed to get these cows in this month. So all the infos on ConsciousMuscle.net, um, I can be found on Instagram at Conscious underscore Muscle, same for Facebook, and um, everything helps. My thing is, even if you can't donate monetarily, just sharing the campaign, you never know who's going to see it. So the people who think, oh, I can't donate 10 or whatever, it doesn't matter. I promise you, if you just hit that share button on your Facebook with that GoFundMe, it can do tremendously more than the monetary donation would. Awesome. I'm so excited. And you guys, there's so much more about the vegan pot that Jordan and I can talk about. And I'm going to come back and do another episode sometime about my vegan story. And maybe I'll have Jordan come back too, because I'd love to dive in a little bit more about this philosophy, because you are a wealth of knowledge just about how um, the environment is being affected. Like you said, like we're literally basically killing our planet and we're killing um, our children. No, I don't have kids, but you do their ability to survive in thrive in the world right exactly right this is what i'm saying so there's there's like a lot more that goes on than just a personal choice and there's also the stuff to talk about beyond just being there's a lot of people we i jokingly call them megans that they don't really give a shit about the animals in the planet they just care about their health and themselves and even if you're a megan it's a really good reason to go vegan because it exponentially will help anyways but there's a lot of stuff beyond it like what's a vegan um, diet versus a vegan lifestyle. What about the people who, you know, it's hot right now to be a vegan. So it's really easy to make money online being a vegan personality, but it's like, what are they really doing to help right beyond that? So there's a I'm lot glad of you mentioned this now and not earlier. Cause I would have went off on a tangent. So yeah, no, I'm no, glad. but it's good, I'm but glad. it's good. Well, I'm actually just, I know you have an appointment, so we could talk about it now, but I don't want to make you no. late. Yeah. So. And that's, I can't believe how fast, like, an hour flew talking like right now. It like literally, I'm definitely down to do another one. For people, Karen's accommodating me because I have an MRI on my right shoulder, right? <laughs> and she's like, we'll get you out of here. And like, I don't want to stop talking. I'm already going to be late and I don't even care. I'm like, you know what? This is real as F. Do you want to keep going? Or do you want to hit your appointment? Because I don't want to make you late. So we can always, we can have you come back for a pot too. You want to do that? Yeah, let's do that because it's okay. hard to get into this MRI place. And I, yeah, you know, yeah, what? it's hard to Thank get in. Keep, keep, your, keep your appointment. So we'll do a pot two another time. But you guys, I just want to say thank you so much for tuning in. I know that in your busy lives, like that you guys squeezing us in for a little connection is wicked important. Um, and the way that you can help me to spread the love is head on over to iTunes, like it, subscribe to it, share it. If some, I know something that we shared today is going to help somebody in your life that you love. It might even help you. So thank you so much for tuning in. I appreciate you, Jordan my brother from another mother. Thank you I so much. I love you, much. Karen. I love I you too. It. I I'm, love I'm you too. I'm grateful to talk to you. Yeah, like, and thank you. For- <laughs> yeah. This thank was today's you. therapy. Like, I'm going to enjoy the rest of my day now. No bullshit. I'm like, well you know telling your story helps other people it makes a difference in the world so we appreciate you keep going out there and you guys at home wherever you go wherever you go may you be a blessing leave the people the place and the animals that you come across better than when you first found them okay we love you bye guys thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the karen kenny show (laughs) i super duper appreciate your time friendship and support and look if something that i shared from my heart today somehow landed in yours i'd love to hear about it so please tag me on facebook or instagram or ig stories or wherever the cool kids are hanging out these days 
and let me know what your favorite pot was or what you found most helpful. You can find me over at Karen Kenny Live. That's Karen, K-E-N-N-E-Y-L-I-V-E. And if you're digging what I'm saying and you want to hear more, I'd be wicked grateful if you could go to iTunes and subscribe and leave a review because you guys, that's how you'll help me to keep spreading the love. And if you can think of someone that could benefit from hearing this episode, please share it with them. I'd also love to stay connected with you. So if the feeling is mutual, please go to karenkenny.com backslash freebie and download my free guide to building your spiritual team. Until next time, my brothers and sisters, keep living in the fearless flow. Know that I see you, I appreciate you, and I love you. And wherever you go, may you be a blessing.